for a second, imagine that Munster Memorial isn't there and somebody in Munster has an emergency. What happens? In that instance, the next hospital over is 15 miles away, but you have to understand rural hospitals are not only serving the city of Munster, they're serving the community, which if this individual lives 15 miles outside of Munster, it's 15 minutes to get here um, where we could stabilize them and start treatment for that patient versus having to go a 30 mile trek to the other facility. Their outcomes and the situation of a stroke deteriorate the longer they wait to get treatment. So safe to say it could very well be the difference between life and death? Yes. Munster Memorial Hospital is one of the state's 158 rural hospitals. They are definitely a big deal here because we have a lot of rural areas, right? And a report released last month by the healthcare consulting firm Kaufman Hall said as pandemic relief funding starts running out, more than a quarter of these hospitals are at risk of closing. Well, every community's different. I should probably say that. And we've had mixed experience through the pandemic and before. A few hospitals tell me that they're doing okay, but most say that 2022 in particular was as tough a year as they've ever had. And we probably have about half a dozen rural Texas hospitals that are truly on the ropes trying to figure out how to survive. I'm Bailey Friday and Texas wants to know, as funding starts to get low, what does the future look like for the state's rural hospitals? have a Whole Foods, you're urban. If you have a Chick-fil-A, you're suburban. If you have a Dairy Queen, you're rural. And if you don't have a restaurant, you're frontier. That is John Henderson. I'm the president and CEO of Torch, which is the Texas Organization of Rural and Community Hospitals. The most common definition of rural is the state Medicaid definition, and that's what we use, which is county population of 60,000 or less. So if, you, if you're below that threshold, we consider you rural. If you're above that threshold, you're suburban or urban. We're looking at communities that are typically 30 miles away from any other hospital, but you're also serving a smaller population over a larger area. A rural hospital is one that has limited resources, but that needs to be prepared for anything to walk through the ER. We're prepared to treat anything from a laceration to a stroke. Oftentimes, we're the first stop in stabilizing a patient to get them to a higher level care facility that they might need. And if we weren't here, oftentimes those patient outcomes could severely suffer due to the distance to that higher level of care. That's Marion Bruce. I'm the CEO of Munster Memorial Hospital in Munster, Texas. Munster is about an hour north of the DFW Metroplex. It's just south of the Oklahoma border. Really cool town, by the way. I get that a lot. It's surprising um, when you go to various places. I've always lived rural and I mentioned the town I'm from and people are like, I have no idea where that's at, but that's not the way it is with Munster. You say Munster, Texas, and somebody there knows where it's at, or they've been to one of our festivities that we have here in town, or they've been to our meat market that we're known for. So it's it's nice to to be in a community where it's not just a rural community. It's known. What are some of the biggest challenges right now facing rural hospitals? Well, the biggest challenge, I think, is just demographics. You know, rural communities generally are older, poorer, and sicker. That's that's a challenge. 
relative to more urban communities. There are also reimbursement pressures, both at the federal and state level, workforce challenges that everyone's dealing with. How are we going to find enough doctors and nurses? And, and all of that leads to vulnerable, vulnerability in rural community hospitals, probably even more so than we had before the pandemic. Nothing but miles and miles and more cows than people. And so, you know, we, we try to overcome some of those challenges with technology and telemedicine, but there is a significant travel burden in that 80% of Texas that is rural. There are actually 3 million rural Texans, which is roughly the population of Arkansas. The, the challenge is it's the population of Arkansas spread over the landmass or geography of three or four different states. For a hospital to make enough money to stay open and profitable, you need a certain amount of volume because most of our reimbursement is based on volume. The more people you see, the more you make. In addition, because healthcare requires a large amount of capital investment in the building, in staffing, in equipment, you have to pay those fees that you have to invest in those assets if you have one patient or you have 100 patients. Dr. Christy Locher is the Assistant Dean for Instructional Innovation for the McComb School at the University of Texas, and she's the Academic Director for the Healthcare Innovation Initiative. And then in a rural situation, because payment is based on volume, you end up behind the eight ball and not able to bring in enough volume to be able to make money with the fairly slim margins. I mean, the margins in health in hospitals in Texas average around 4%, which is a very slim margin. So, and in rural hospitals, it's even less. I mean, if, if you're a rural hospital and you're doing okay, you're making probably 2% margin and you're celebrating in the streets. We have realized a probably eight and a half percent cost to supplies prior to the pandemic. During the pandemic, we ran into supply shortages, but the cost wasn't going up since we've had all of the inflation issues that the nation has seen that the pandemic has caused. Now, a lot of what we are needing is, is going up supplies and drug cost-wise. So the cost to treat our patients is increasing. Our reimbursement is staying the same. The cost of supplies is increasing. The cost of drugs is increasing. And there's just no relief in sight for that for us at this time. And there's certain things that we do have to keep here um, because like I said earlier, we never know what's gonna walk through our ER. Losher says there's federal law that impacts what services many rural hospitals offer. It's called IMTALA, and it stands for the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. It was passed in 1986. Basically, it requires hospitals with ERs to treat anyone who walks in the door, regardless of whether or not they can pay. If they come into an emergency room, they're going to get treated. In Austin or Dallas, if a hospital sees a few patients like that, they can absorb it. They can absorb the bad debt. But in a rural situation, they're living so close to the wire. They don't have that extra margin to be able to provide the amount of charity care required. And talking on that COVID relief money, how did that in the early stages of the pandemic impact Munster Memorial? It was very beneficial to our rural hospital and, and many other rural hospitals. One thing that we were able to do that we're currently working on with the provider relief funds that we received was to overhaul our HVAC system. Our building's 59 years old and the HVAC that we're using is the original HVAC system. And it was something that we wouldn't have been able to do on our own through our operating revenue. We were also able to double our lab space. We were able to get a few beds. We purchased IV pumps. We made a triage 
area for COVID patients to, to mitigate the risk of spreading the COVID. Got new flooring for infection control updates in both the hospital and the clinic. Urban hospitals often have enough volume to offset the costs of patients who are on Medicaid, but rural hospitals don't have that. Even though most of their patients are Medicare age, and Medicare actually is a decent payer for rural hospitals, Medicaid is not. Medicaid doesn't pay as much. And upwards of 40 to 50 percent of Medicare beneficiaries are going over to the Medicare Advantage private plans because they're cheaper, they offer more value, they offer more services. But those reimbursements are way lower for rural hospitals than what federal Medicare pays. So this shift of patients from Medicare to Medicare Advantage plans has really hurt rural hospitals because they don't have the bargaining power to get higher rates. And every and they lose they lose money on every Medicaid patient. The pandemic also led to a shortage of health care workers, which you've probably heard about. I mean, this has been huge news for the past three years. But just to put it into perspective for you, according to a June Texas Workforce Commission report, the state faced a shortage of 20,000 registered nurses with an increase in demand just around the corner. So this same report projected a need for 190,000 new health care jobs in the next five years. They're expecting this by 2028. Part of what we've seen um, during COVID, and I mean, we're three years into the pandemic and it, it's not over yet, is staffing. We've had a huge issue with our nursing department here lately, and we're at 82% staff, which I know other facilities are facing different, more difficulties than that. But part of the problem with not having full staffing in the nursing department is the patients that the number of patients that we can serve, that we can have available beds for. We've had empty leadership roles for going on a year now. We're looking for a clinic director, HIM director. It's hard to find those specialized positions within the community or to recruit them here due to the availability of pay from a rural hospital. We're not for profit. We can't really compete with the bigger organizations in the urban areas. <laughs> You told the Texas Tribune that hospitals in smaller communities are often among the largest employers in a city. How important are they to the fabric of a community? So what we've learned, you know, access to healthcare is important, but the economic development aspect of rural hospitals and clinics is as important. And what we've learned after a rural hospital closure is that these hospitals not only are the first or second largest employer, usually this next to the school district, but they kind of hold the entire community up. And you see a hospital close and then the bank closes or the pharmacy closes or the grocery store closes and the, and the entire community falls. So it's not just access to healthcare. Rural hospitals are actually foundational to local economic development. We're oftentimes one of the top employers of the community. Here, we have about 100 employees, and 55% of those employees live in the district. The most recent rural hospital closure was in Bowie, Texas. That's Montague County. And the, the local economic development coordinator, her name's Janice Crowley, uh, told us that it wasn't just that the hospital closed and you lost access and lost 100 or more good jobs. It's that local sales tax revenue dipped by a third the following year, school enrollment dropped, they went through a round of teacher layoffs, 
you know, businesses that were looking to locate to buoy decided not to when their employees wouldn't have access to health care and real estate that was listed at the time of the hospital closure is still available today. So you see all those cascading economic impacts that are all negative and harmful to a community like that. If you lose employment in a rural area, your only choice is to move. There's not a lot of other options. It happened to me. I was in, uh, it's not really a rural area, but it's a small town. I was living in Palm Springs, California in the uh, late 80s. And I was working for a district hospital that was supported with tax dollars. And it had, you know, some bad management stuff happen and they had to do some layoffs. And I got laid off. There was no, I was a healthcare administrator. There was no other hospital for me to go to. I had to move. And so did, I think I was laid off with 10 other people. We all moved, every one of us. So what did these hospitals need? What are some solutions rural communities or healthcare providers could implement to best serve these areas? Well, they need good doctors and nurses. You know, even if you are, are doing some telemedicine and virtual care, there's no substitute for a good local family practice physician or a good homegrown nurse that has a commitment to the community. So we're advocating at the state level for physician and nurse loan repayment programs to give people a reason to, to work and serve in rural communities. And then of course, at the federal level, Medicare reimbursement rates and at the state level, Medicaid rates are critically important to our hospitals. They can maximize their telehealth support, particularly for specialists, you know, creating connections with the, you know, bigger cities and being able to provide through telehealth support for specialist appointments where they can have a nurse and a place with good internet where a nurse can be there to provide any kind of hands-on data the specialist might need, but to save the patient the hour plus drive into the nearest city. So another thing they can do is look at stricter parameters of when do they treat and stabilize and when do they just call the helicopter and transfer somebody. Because to be able to be ready for a car accident victim, I have to invest a lot in staffing, equipment, having physicians on site, having nurses on site 24-7. If I say we're going to draw a line and after 11 o'clock at night, we're going to call a helicopter for something like this, that can make a huge capital and staffing difference by just identifying, hmm, maybe we don't provide a 24-hour ER. Maybe we focus on having patients who, you know, in the middle of the night transported so we can save a shift. She said studies actually back up the idea of taking a patient and transporting them to a bigger hospital right from the start. There's been quite a bit of data on the fact that even from a quality perspective, you're typically better off getting a patient on a helicopter to a major trauma center than trying to, quote, stabilize them and then transport them. If that person needs transporting, they should be transported from the beginning. The other thing that a rural hospital can do is better cost accounting. Hospitals notoriously do horrible cost accounting, and they have way too much overhead and that isn't spread out among their services. So they really don't know what services make them money and what services lose them money. And by having a better true grasp of what services really lose them money, and can they just stop offering that service. There's been a real trend of hospitals that have done this 
understanding that they can't afford to do obstetrics and stay open. And that can have a lot of impact on the community and it's not great, but it's better than losing the whole hospital. But before any of these changes can impact rural communities, Losher says there are crucial changes needed at the top of the healthcare system in the U.S. So number one, universal coverage, right? Everybody's got to have access to coverage for healthcare. Everyone. Just because someone's in the country illegally doesn't mean they don't bleed. And in Texas, we carry a disproportionate burden of people who are in the country illegally. And other countries support healthcare entities in serving those people's emergent needs, at least, right? So hospitals in America get no help at all, but are required to treat everybody who comes in, both ethically and legally. Texas is one of 11 states that have not expanded Medicaid. An article last year in the Austin American Statesman estimated that the state forgoes billions of federal dollars a year by sticking with its decision not to expand the program. Secondly, there needs to be some national price negotiation, right? So both for supplies and equipment, as well as for pharmaceuticals and for reimbursement. So right now, there's it's all up to what your personal power is, right? And there's been a lot of consolidation in American healthcare because of the way our system works, that the bigger you are, the better prices you get, both in revenues, you get higher revenues and you get lower supply costs. And so if we want to serve rural areas, we've got to find a way for those prices and reimbursements to be passed on to those rural hospitals as well. And I would say third, changing the way we pay and and changing from volume to more of a population health or patient outcome focus, where instead of the more people you see, the more you make, instead, why aren't we reimbursing based on the health of the population? Why aren't we giving hospitals a budget and saying, all right, take care of the needs of this population? So a lot of these ideas by Losher to help rural hospitals would require action at the state or federal level. While most rural communities in Texas do lean conservative, addressing health care is really not one of the issues we hear the Republican-controlled state government prioritizing as we head into the state's 88th legislative session. If our payment models changed, we wouldn't have to make some of these really hard, awful choices. But, you know, a rural hospital can't control that. They can only control how do we live within the environment we have. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast, Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.